I love to hear her sing. I love to hear all of our people sing. Sing so beautifully. Such a privilege to be able to have people of their talent and their ability to be able to sing in our church and help us to bring glory to the Lord. Amen. I see all the movement taking place back there at the back. The teenagers are leaving. The kids are leaving. All the rest of you just hang out here with me, all right? Don't leave me. Don't leave me high and dry. It's good to see you in the Lord's house today. Won't you take a moment and wave at Miss Donna Schmidt over here, who is here with us all the way from Alabama today. So good to see you. I, I would have been surprised if Jane had not flapped her jaws and told me that you were coming. So I, I knew that you would be here today. And we're thankful that you are in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. Yeah, I like to laugh. And uh, we, we were having communion, and I love, I love being able to have communion with you. We had one lucky winner today with the uh, communion elements. You know, there's something interesting about these prepackaged uh, communion elements that you get. Uh, you know, with all the viruses going on, uh, we're trying to be safe. So we use these little prepackaged deals. But we had one individual today that showed me their little prepackaged communion, and they had five pieces of bread in the communion packet. Now, why don't I ever get one like that? You know, I, I get one, though, that it's just crumbs, whatever doesn't do much for me to be able to keep this body nourished, but five pieces of bread, that was pretty amazing to me. I think it's beautiful. I just went, this is a good opportunity. You know, I know people say, well, why do we receive communion? Jonathan did a beautiful job of explaining uh, that it's one of the things that the church, is, uh, church does on a regular basis. Uh, but there are other things that we do as well, and I want to encourage you to be praying and considering what your step might be next. Uh, for instance, water baptism is one of those beautiful ways for you to express publicly uh, your commitment to Christ. I know there are a lot of people that think, well, I, think, I thought I had to do that when I was a kid. I thought I had to do that when I was young. Well, we do baptize children around here. But when you're an adult and you make a confession of faith, it's very important for you to consider water, water baptism. And so as you pray about that and think about it, just come to me or one of the staff members and say, you know, I've kind of thought this through. I'd like to be baptized. And it would be a wonderful way for you to express your faith. Another way that you can do that is by dedicating your baby to the Lord. I know we've got several now that... Uh, have been in the way and then are no longer in the way and others that will become in the way. It's a wonderful thing and an expression of your faith just to bring that child before the church and allow them uh, to be dedicated to the Lord. And they don't have to be infants. I've dedicated some as many as four, five, six years old that they didn't do it when they were infants and they came to me and said, I'd really love to consider doing that. And so these are ways that we can not only express our faith in Christ, but also we can, we can utilize the church 
to be a part of the raising of your children. So uh, I want you to think about that. I want you to pray about it. If you have any questions about it, just let me know. I'll be happy to sit down with you and talk to you about it so that you can feel comfortable in making those kinds of decisions. But isn't it good to be a part of the body of Christ? Amen? So thankful that you're here today. And glad to have those of you who are watching online with us today. I, I realize that uh, COVID has snuck back in on us over the last couple of weeks. And we've got some that they're not seriously ill at all. They're uh, just experiencing minor issues. But you know how it is. You have to quarantine and, and be out of the uh, public for a little while. And we do have a few that are like that. But I'm thankful that God is keeping His hand of protection upon um, our body. And so thank you for your continued prayer for those who are unable to be with us today. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you will. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning from my heart about the war that we wage against worry. And I know we talk about this a lot because it seems like it's just one of those things that is prevalent in our world today. Um, the old timers used to call people worry warts. Did you ever know a worry wart? You know, in fact, when I was a kid, it, it was not true. I don't know why we told these kinds of lies. Uh, but we would say that if you have a wart on your body, it is there because you have a tendency to worry. That is not true. A wart is not caused by worrying. And yet we find ourselves many times worrying about our lives. So I want to talk to you for just a few moments today about this idea of worry. So I'm going to ask you to join me and let's pray and let's invite God to open our hearts and our minds. Listen, I... I can preach all day long, but if you don't open your mind to receive the Word of God and, and accept it and apply it to your life, then really you're just wasting your time and it's not doing a whole lot of good. But if you'll honestly open your mind and your heart to the Word of God, it has the power to literally transform you and your existence. And so I know you've come here today not out of habit and not out of ritual, but you've come because you're expecting to hear a word from the Lord that will transform your thinking and transform your life. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this uh, lovely worship experience that we've had to this point this morning. The music has been wonderful. I was particularly touched by that little chorus that they sang at the end that says, I exalt thee. Lord, I've never known anyone or anything that is more worthy to be exalted and lifted high than you. And I want to be actively, every day of my life, exalting you and lifting you up. Because I know that just as you were lifted up on a cross at Calvary, we also can lift you up by our lives and with our words. And you will draw men unto yourself as you are lifted. So, Lord, today as we preach and as we listen to the message, I pray that our hearts will be prepared. I pray, Lord, that you will help me to speak effectively this morning and say what needs to be said uh, so that we can grow and so that we can be strengthened in our faith. 
God, what a privilege, what a high honor it is for me to be able to stand before this congregation and to be able to preach and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'll help me to do so effectively today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you would admit to me today that you are a worrier? Amen. Three of you. Praise the Lord. That's good. I struggle with worry probably as much or more than anything in my life. My dad was always a worrier. My dad was always thinking about this, that, or the other, and he would always worry about it. And I don't know if it's in my DNA or it's in the genes that, that make me who I am, but I just have always struggled with worry. My wife, on the other hand, is one of the least worried people on the face of the earth. She's just one of those, well, whatever will be, will be kind of people. And I wish so much that I could be like her in that aspect. But I just grind and grind and grind and grind over the same thing day after day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, until I really can feel in my spirit that God has given me a piece about it. And through the years, I've had to develop my faith around this tendency to worry about things. And I've had to bring myself to a place where I, my default is not worry, but my default is faith. And it's hard for me. And I believe that there are probably a lot of people in this house today that you can relate to what I'm saying today. That worry seems to be on your plate all the time. It's interesting, I didn't know my grandparents very well. They all died when I was very young. I was the youngest in the family, in my family. And so, you know, when I was five, six, seven years old, they all passed away and I didn't know much about them. But I know one thing about my granny Tyler, and it was this. She was going to eat beans every day of her life. I mean, she got up in the morning and almost before she put the coffee on, she'd put the beans on. Whatever kind of beans it was, it could be pinto beans or navy beans or lima beans or hallelujah to the lamb butter beans. I mean, uh, she even thought black-eyed peas were beans. But every day of her life, she was going to have beans. And you know, just like my grandmother liked to eat beans every day, I know people who like to worry every day of their life. It's something that they put on their plate every day. It is their default mindset is to worry about circumstances. Now, I have discovered through the years that there's a difference between worry and anxiety. Now, we hear that word anxiety all the time, don't we? I hear people say, well, I deal with anxiety. I, one of the things that I struggle with is being anxious and, and having anxiety in my life every day. But did you know that there's a difference between worry and anxiety? And the difference is pretty simple. It is this. Anxiety is an eruption of emotion that we feel when we are uh, presented with a challenge. 
It is our default emotion when something happens. If the doctor gives us a bad uh, diagnosis, we become anxious about it. If someone pulls out in front of us in the car, we become anxious about it. And, and it begins to affect our bodies. It causes our body to produce things that, that just causes this heightened emotion that we feel and sense. It is a, it is a, it is a moment where this emotion just erupts out of us and we say, I am anxious. Worry, on the other hand, is what I like to call a slow burn. I mean, it's there all the time, but it's not erupting like anxiety does. Worry is that thing that is in us that we can't always put our fingers on, but it is a slow burn in our soul that is building up pressure in us. Now, I've been getting my RV, my, my camper, and all of my stuff ready for some fall camping because I'm ready to go. And one of the things about RVs is that they all have certain aspects of propane usage. So you use it for your, your cook utensils and your stove and things like that. Uh, now we're told that you can't bring firewood to some campgrounds because there are bugs in the firewood and you can't bring your bugs to their campground. And so you have to have a propane fire pit if you're going to have a fire. I know some of you are rolling your eyes like, I can't believe it. Well, I can't believe it either, but it's true. So I've got this little propane fire pit that I like to take with me, but I've discovered something about propane. If you're not careful when it builds up, if you don't know that it's building up, and you stick a flame to a built-up gas line, let me tell you something, you may be a few days without some eyebrows because it tends to erupt. You don't know that it's about to erupt because you can't see the gas. And sometimes if it's windy outside, you can't even smell the gas like you're supposed to smell it. But it will build up and then when the flame ignites it, it just explodes. Now some of us live our lives like that. We wouldn't say that we are filled with anxiety, but if you are filled with worry over something and it is slow burning in you, there will become a, a time, a moment in your life when that erupts and you'll be dealing with a circumstance that you really don't want to deal with. And so God has a lot to say about worry and particularly about anxiety as well. Someone said that worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it will never get you anywhere. That's true, isn't it? It's just like rocking in a rocking chair. We've got something to do with our minds, but it's not going to get us anywhere because it creates a negative situation. Now, worry is always about your future. 
Now, if you've been paying any attention to the church's uh, um, Instagram and Facebook this week, you'll know that we every day I posted something on there about the future and how that we deal with our future. Sometimes it takes the Word of God or prayer or whatever for us to deal with the future. But here's what we need to understand about worry. Worry is always concerned about the future. It's never concerned about the past, even though you may be thinking about something in the past. It's not about the present. It is always about the future. Because when we worry, we ask ourselves questions about what will be. Well, what if I marry this individual? And we worry about it because that will affect our future. Well, what happens if I take this job? Well, we worry about it because it will affect our future. Well, what if I take this medication that the doctor says that I need? We worry about it because it will affect our future. I know someone right now that is trying to make a decision as to whether or not they should take an, a, a chemo pill that they will have to take for the remainder of their lives about every six months. And they're worried about it because they are worried about how it will affect our their future. And so what I'm saying to you is, is that when we worry, it is always because we're wondering about how it will affect our future. There are things in the past that we can worry about, but we can never change them or rectify them. We can worry about something in the present, uh, but we have no control over it in many instances. So what we are worrying about is always because we're concerned about how it will affect our future. So now God does not want us worrying about our future because our future is in His hands. Is that not true? If He is directing our path and directing our steps, then we have to learn to trust that God will take us where we need to be and He will enable us to go where we need to go and accomplish what He has called us to accomplish. It's like being a young parent, and we've got two young couples now that are, you know, they're holding infants and cradling in, in them in their arms, and, and they're probably thinking, well, this is a new experience for me, and it is. I wish that I could give you all the answers that you need, but you know how it happens? You learn how to be a parent as you parent that child every day of your life. It just is required. Now, here's something you need to understand. God does not merely frown upon worry. He expressly forbids us to worry. Let me say that again. God does not merely frown upon worry, but He expressly forbids us to worry. 
So, you know, when we think about obedience to God, we think about things like, well, I got to go to church on Sunday, you know, because the Bible says that you should, uh, you know, re- re- respect the, the, the Sabbath and all that kind of thing. And, and I know that I need to not lie. And I know that I need to not watch X-rated movies. And I know that I need to not steal. And I, I know that I need to not do those things. And we always think about all the things that we should not do and could not do and would not do and we worry ourselves when we think about being obedient to God. But one of the things that we often fail to think about is that God does not want you to worry. God does not want you thinking in this negative way about the future because he's got it in control. It's in his hands. So he looks at, in Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. And I didn't put all these verses on the screens, but I'm going to read beginning at verse 25, and we're going to focus primarily on verse 27. But it says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe ye, notice this, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Worry is different than concern. Have you ever been concerned about anything in your life? I mean, it just, it's on your mind. I tell you, at my age, and I'm still a very young man, right? Say amen. But one thing that I have been thinking a lot about lately is my retirement fund. I mean, I've been praying I've been asking God, Lord, you know what I need, but you know what? I have to draw a line between worry and concern. Now, concern says that I will log into my account every now and then to make sure that it's headed in the right direction, and if it's not, I may need to move some of my investment so that it makes better return on the money If I'm concerned, I will look at it, I will make a decision, and then I'll move on with life. But when I'm worried about it, I'll just keep looking, and keep looking, and I'll look again tomorrow, 
And look again the next day. And look again the day after that. And now I'm concerned. Because the money that I did have, all of a sudden, it's gone. I mean, it's not there anymore. And so it's easy for me to start thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not ever going to be able to retire somewhere way down the line. I'm not ever going to be able to have a good life in retirement because they keep taking my money away from me. And it bothers me. And if I'm not careful, I will just worry and worry and worry. So what's the difference between concern and worry? Many of you know that a few years back that I was uh, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And so I just, I didn't know anything about it. Sometimes we are diagnosed with things that we don't know anything about. I didn't know anything about it. So I had to start learning about how to manage that illness. And I started eating differently. I started trying to lose some weight. I started trying to count my carbs. I started trying to do practical things to help me be healthy as I could be and do my part. Now listen, that is concern. So if I see one of the, if I go to Gatlinburg and I go down to Davy Crockett's or whatever the name of it is, and I get one of those skillets with the big, um, what do you call them, cinnamon, honey buns in it, cinnamon, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you know that that looks good, smells good, takes, tastes good, makes you want to lick the skillet when you're done? But I'm smart enough to know that I don't need to be doing that at this point in my life because I understand the science of what it takes. Uh, some of you have been very concerned with me over the last few weeks, and I appreciate your love and concern, but I am not ill. I've heard the rumors. Pastor's sick. He's dying. We're going to have a pastor, pastoral change before too long. Look how skinny the man has become. I've even heard of you, a few of you say, he looks awful. He looks absolutely terrible. Well, thank you very much for that. I'm here to announce to you today that I have tried to lose some weight. I'm trying to eat differently because I know that what I do will help manage this thing that I am dealing with. Now, some of you do the very same things. It may not be called diabetes. It might be called something entirely different. But you know. How many of you are eating? You don't have to show your hands. You've started eating gluten-free stuff. Let me just tell you, the only reason that you would ever eat gluten-free stuff is because you've got a condition that requires you to do it because it tastes horrible. I've never tasted anything that is gluten-free that tastes good. Can I get a witness? I mean, I'd much rather eat real bread. I'd much rather eat real coconut cake. I'd much I've got to stop because I'll never get finished if I don't stop. We do these things out of concern. But there is a point when concern becomes worry. And let me explain to you where that is. I get up in the morning and one of the first things I do is I prick my finger, I put it to the meter, and I see where I'm at. And based on that number, I know, okay, I need to watch it today, or I need to exercise a little longer today, I need to take a walk this morning instead of tonight in order to maximize 
the time that I have to keep my blood sugar low. The last thing that I may want to do is go pour myself a big bowl of Cap'n Crunch cereal with full milk and sit down and have breakfast because that's going to affect me negatively. That's concern. We make choices like that every day of our lives. But if we're not careful, concern can turn to worry. And so it would cause me to go prick my finger and then two hours later go prick my finger again and then two hours later go prick my finger again and prick my finger again and do it again and again and again and then sit there and wait. Oh God, when's it going to come down? I know you think that I'm out of my mind today, but I know people that they keep that close of a watch on their lives, on their condition. And you know what I've discovered and what I remember is that the Lord says, I know how many days that have been allotted to you. And nothing is going to change that. You're going to die when your time has been appointed and not a day sooner. And in the meantime, I'm going to give you the grace that you need. And I'm going to provide for you what you have need of to live your best life right now. So that when you die, you're going to experience an even better life than the best life that you're living right now. Can you think about that? But here's the problem, and I put it on um, uh, Instagram this week. Sometimes we can't enjoy the day because we are so worried about tomorrow, and many of us already live in tomorrow, so we can't enjoy today. Listen, worry will cause you to think about tomorrow. So there are some things that we, that we can use as indicators as to why, when we have crossed over from concern to worry. And the first is, are you doing foolish things? Are you just doing foolish things? Now here's what I mean by that. How many of you, when you get into your car to go somewhere, do you snap in your uh, seatbelt? Th- that's reasonable, right? It, we do it for two reasons. Number one, we know that using a seatbelt saves lives. We know that. Secondly, we know that it is a law. We're supposed to do it. And so if you're not hooking up your seatbelt and you're just rebelling against the law, that's sin, by the way, because you're rebelling against a law. Get your seatbelt, plug it in. But that being concerned, I know people that they will do even more than that. You know, they... If, if they could get two seat belts, they'd get two. If they get three, they'd put one around their waist, one around their chest, and one around their head. Just so that they could drive. Because they're so concerned or worried about the future and what it's going to entail. So when we worry and we do foolish things, then it makes no sense. And we have crossed over into worry. He says, look at the birds. He said, they don't worry about what they're going to eat. They're not concerned about it because they know that God is going to take care of them. Verse 29 says, not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will. I don't know how many times you've read that through the years. I've read it 
many times, countless numbers. But I noticed something this week that I had never noticed before. Look at it closely. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's what? Will. You know, there are many reasons that the bird can fall to the ground. But the Scripture says that it is the Father's will for the bird to fall to the ground. How many of you know that the Father has a will for you? The Father has something, a purpose that He wants you to live in on the face of this earth. And it is His will for your life. And He will direct you to your purpose. He will direct you to your will. And then when our purpose is complete, it is the Father's will for me to die and to leave this earth and ultimately spend eternity with Him. And yet we fight so hard not to die. We fight so hard not to leave this earth. But listen, the Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and then comes a judgment. So it is God's will for all of us at some point on the appointed day to die. So why do we fight it so bad? Oh, I know it's okay to take your medicine and I'm going to take mine and I, you know, I'm going to do what I can and to be as healthy as I can. But listen, there's going to come a time in my life when it is God's will for me to leave this earth and spend eternity with Him. We have a man in our church, Zane. Many of you know Zane. He's back in the hospital again. Just got the report this morning. He's back there. They're treating him again. The last time that I talked to Zane, Zane said this to me. He said, Pastor, he said, I have suffered so many things for so long, he said, that I'm just tired of it. He said, and I know that God's will for my life is to pass from this earth and to spend eternity with Him. And he said, I just want you to know that I am prepared for that event. I'm ready for that event. And whenever God's willing to take me home, I am willing to go. He said, I am tired of dealing with what I've had to deal with. Can I tell you that there comes a time in everyone's life when you get to the place where you finally say, Lord, I'm loving life. I'm enjoying it. You've been good to me. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm blessed all around, favor all around me. But Lord, whenever it is my time to spend eternity with you, I'm ready. And I'm not going to worry about these foolish things. There was a lady that used to sing at Billy Graham's Crusades. Her name was Ethel Waters. And her famous song was this. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he cares for me. We put up a hummingbird feeder here a few weeks ago and put the, the juice in it so he'd come by. I'm telling you, I think we've got access to every hummingbird in the neighborhood. They come by and they just buzz and they drink and I love to watch them. But they're not very big. They're about the size of my thumb. And I was thinking about them this week as I was preparing for this message. That little bird that brings me so much joy one of these days by the will of God is going 
going to fall to the ground and its life is going to be over. And that little bird will not fall to the ground. But what our Heavenly Father will be aware of it and know it and it will be according to the will of God for that little bird's life. And what he's saying is, is if God loves those little birds, you've got to know that God loves you so much more because you are worth so much more than that little bird. And God loves you. And God cares for you. Sevilla Martin wrote this poem in 1905 and she said, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and hurry so said the sparrow to the robin friend i think that i must be i think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me aren't you glad that the father loves you and cares about you and doesn't want you to live in a worried world because he cares for you So we do foolish things sometimes. And then sometimes we just got to understand that all of our efforts are futile. I mean, all of our efforts are futile. Only God is able to bring about what needs to be brought about. Notice verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now when we think about cubit, we think about growing bigger or taller. A cubit is 18 inches. Now, this obviously cannot mean that we should all be striving to get 18 inches taller. That's not what it means. I mean, because none of us could do that, except for the littles, the little babies, the little kids. They'll get 18 inches taller, but it won't be because they tried. It will be because of a natural growth cycle in their lives. And so he's not saying we should all try to get 18 inches taller. In New New Testament times, the word cubit literally meant duration of life. My dad passed away when he was almost 87 years old. And my mother passed away when she was 84. And my doctor says that because of that genealogy, that I have a good chance to live well into my 80s. And possibly even to my 90s because of medical science the way it is now. And when I first thought about that, I thought, well, if Dad can make almost 87, surely I can make 90. And I'm going to beat Dad. I'm going to do everything I can to beat Dad. And I thought to myself how crazy it would be to live every day of my life with the goal to beat Dad and be older than Dad. If that's not God's will for my life, it's not what I should or would want. We should want what God wants. So he's talking about duration of life. You say, okay, well, let me ask this question. Should I take vitamins? Yeah, take your vitamins. It won't hurt you. It won't kill you. Should I take my insulin? Yeah, go ahead. God can heal you naturally, and he may do that. And if he does, boy, what a testimony you're going to have. But until then, if you need to take insulin, take some insulin. It won't kill you. It'll be all right. It won't, it won't do an in, a, a disservice to God. Should, should I take this? Should I take that? Go ahead. Do that. But you need to do it 
Because you understand it will help your quality of life, but it won't change your duration of life. Because God's already got that locked in. Well, if, I, if God knows that I'm going to live that amount of time, then I ain't taking my vitamins anymore. Okay, well, don't. I, it it wouldn't, doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I'm not ever eating another carrot again in my life because it won't make a difference. Well, it will. It'll cause you to be healthier, which will allow you to enjoy your current life and quality of life, but that carrot will not change the duration of your life. You like ice cream? Eat your ice cream. Praise God, glory, hallelujah. If you get diabetes, get a different kind of ice cream. Or eat yogurt. That'll be all right. Do something like that. It will help the quality of your life. I read an article not long ago about diabetes. And they were saying that everybody should have an A1C of 7 or lower. Praise God. Got it licked. Got it whipped. But then they're saying, as you get older, it's okay for your A1C to creep up to 7.5. And And as you get older, it's all right if it gets up to 8. And if you get even older than that, it's okay if you want to go up to 8.5. Why? Because they said quality of life is as important as length of life. And I understand what they're saying in that we need to have a good quality life while we're on the face of this earth. So we should do the things that will bring a better quality to life, but we have to do it with the understanding that it's not going to change the duration of my life because God's already set it in stone. So stop worrying about it. He said, well, I would not worry about when I'm going to die if God would tell me when that's going to be. Can, can, can you imagine how, how hard that would be? I got 362 days, 8 hours, and 42 seconds. 41, 40, 39. My God, I'm dying! Nobody wants to know that. I read not long ago where they have this test that you can take. That if you take this test, they can determine whether or not you will get Alzheimer's when you're, dead, when you're old. Listen, my mom had Alzheimer's. I don't want to know if I'm going to get Alzheimer's or not. Why would I want to know? It's like every time I forget which shoe, which foot my shoe goes on, Donna would be saying, yep, step one. Stage two, brother. I learned there are seven stages to Alzheimer's. Can you imagine? Oh my God, I got stage three. I wonder at what stage I'll have to stop shopping for myself and going to church and dressing myself. Listen, I'm going to shop as long as I can shop. I'm going to drive as long as I can drive. I'm going to put my own socks and shoes on. I'm going to wear underwear every day. I'm going to do all those things. And if any of it changes, it'll change. Why should I worry about it now? 
I'm going to live life now. Like those little birds that just fly around and say, Woo, ain't life good. I've always thought I'd like to be a bat. I told my wife not long ago, I said, I'm going to build me a bat house on the side of my house. She said, why? Why would you do that? I said, we've got bats in our backyard here at the new house. I said, I sit out there on the porch at night and I see them just pew, 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 all over the place. I love it. I love to watch them. Do you know what I really like about bats? They say that a single bat will eat 4,200 mosquitoes every day of its life. If you don't like your bat, bring him over to my house. I'm going to build a bat house. So that they can eat my skeeters. I want to I live like a bat. I just want to eat skeeters all day long. Feel like I've done something good. Foolishness. Here's the third thing you need to understand about worry. Worry does absolutely nothing but produce frustration. That's all it does. It just produces frustration. It just brings you to a place we have to... Just be frustrated because we can't get it lined out. So here, here's what we got to understand. If there's something needs to be done in our lives, God's going to get us to the place where he'll do it. I'm not saying you just sit. I, you know, it's funny to me. People just, in the realm of the Spirit, they just think God's going to do everything. So all I have to do is get me a spiritual recliner and just lay back in it and just say, Okay, God, I'm ready. What are you doing? I'm waiting on God. Uh, what are you waiting on God for? Because he's going to do something. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. No. Get your tail up off of your lazy boy and do what you know you should be doing in this life right now. And in the midst of what you are doing, God will bring blessings and fulfill promises uh, that can only be fulfilled by His hand. But He will never fulfill His promises until you get up and start doing what the Word of God says for you to do. Because the Bible says, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the Word. And I'm ready to quit. Somebody come help me. Somebody say, hurry. Notice verse 30. Chapter 6, verse 30. If God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Now notice the last phrase it says oh ye of little faith oh ye of little faith this is a simple gentle rebuke that Jesus gives he's not mad at anybody he's not cutting them off from his blessings he's just reminding them that when you start seeing all this worry and anxiety creep into your lives. It's a sign that you're not believing the way that you should believe. That you don't have the faith that you need to have. That you're not activating the Word of God in your lives. Because if you will activate what God has already said, 
God will do what needs to be done. And you don't have to worry about it. Now as I close, I want to point out to you that worry and anxiety. It's always about a reaction of the flesh. You you know there's, we can respond in a given situation and and we can react as well. And as I kind of mold this over this week, I, I kind of asked the Lord to help me see this more clearly because I've always been one of those kind of people that says that we shouldn't react, but we should always respond. But did you know that God has built into our nature reaction? And the reason that we react is to bring benefit and protection to our lives. Let me give you an example. If you're driving your car on the way home today and you see somebody running a red light, our reaction is to move our foot off of the accelerator and onto the brake. We react. Now, if we took the time to think about it and, well, you know, I see this person coming. It looks like they're going to run. Maybe I sh- Maybe I should take my foot off. Maybe, you know, what God, what do you think I should do here? Let me take time to pray about this. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, I come and I ask you, should I take my foot off the accelerator and put it on the right? Listen, you do that, you gone. It, it, it's over for you. Reaction is important. But here's what we got to understand. We have to understand what is driving our default setting is it worry is that your default how many of you have one of these smartphones you either probably you either have an iPhone or an Android I've never lived anywhere in my life where the it's always 50 50 you're 50% U of L, 50% UK, 50% Democrat, 50% Republican, 50% of you are saved, and 50% of you are not. No, I'm just kidding. 50% iPhone, 50% Android, but they're called smartphones. And, and they have default settings. Did you know that? What that means is, is that when you get this new phone and you turn it on, it's all set up for you. Somebody has predetermined how you want your phone to work. And I know people that they never change the default of their phone because it scares them half to death. I talked to somebody today. I said, well, if you can't text it to me, have your wife text it to me. And, And they just laughed and said... Ain't no way she can text it to you. I can barely do it. Ain't no way she's going to be able to do it. I know people that all they can do is turn the dumb thing on. And if it comes to changing settings, there's no way in the world they're going to do it. Do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that there are some things that they default my phone to do that I don't like. Doesn't work well for me. And so you have to change the default. You have to change the automation of your phone because if you don't, it'll always do the same. For instance, if somebody calls you 
Everybody in the building will have the same phone ring if you just stay at the default. But me, I like to have those little tunes play when somebody's calling. I know some people that they set a particular ring for a particular person so that if they hear that particular ring, there ain't no way in this world they're going to answer it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not answering that. Let it go to voicemail. I may answer it and may not. But we change our defaults on our phones to better serve our needs. And here's what I want to say, and then I'm going to close. Some of you need to set your reaction default from fear to faith. And how do you do that? You do that by feeding on the Word of God. So that when circumstances come, your reaction to it will not be the default of your human nature, but will default to the Word of God and what the Word of God says. This morning, I asked my wife, I said, did you sleep good last night? She said, I don't want to talk about it. A few miles down the road, I started singing, I've got confidence. I know the Lord will see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. How many of you ever heard that old Andre Crouch song? One of you. Praise God. Two of you. Hallelujah. It shows my age, my mindset. She said, what are the words to the chorus? I, I, or the verses? I don't know. She said, Siri, how many of you know who Siri is? Siri, give me the lyrics to I've Got Confidence. Some of you say, Alexa, tell me this. Alexa, tell me that. And all of a sudden, these lyrics came up. And she pushed the button and Andre Crouch started singing. Oh, I've got confidence. I know the Lord will see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. Well, listen to all those verses and course. By the time we got home, we had decided, or back to the church, we had decided that this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. We've got to fix our default setting from always being down and always being discouraged and always being negative and always, I'm all always the one that you hurt my feelings well get over yourself just a little bit you know let God heal all that stuff that is ruptured up and infected you turn it over to Jesus uh, and live your life differently what is your default what is your default is it worry because if it is you have the ability to change your default will you stand with me this morning What's your default? If the devil could come up to you right now and say, I'm about to kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. What's your default? (laughs) Don't do that. I've been a good boy this week. Leave me alone. Some of you are so afraid of the devil that all he has to do is snort at you and you're, you're defeated. 
But don't you know that you have authority over the enemy of your soul? You have authority over the devil. You don't have to be down. You don't have to be discouraged. It's just that that's the way your default is set right now. It's time for you to change your default. How do you do that? You make yourself do it. You take one thing off, you put another thing on. When I get home today, I'm going to take this jacket off. I'm going to hang it in my closet. I'm going to take this shirt off. I'm going to hang it in my closet. I'm going to take these britches off. I'm going to hang it in my closet. And when I get to the point where I ain't got much on, I'm going to go to my wife and I'm going to ask her this question. Come on, get your minds out of the gutter now. Get your minds out of the gutter. I'm going to ask my wife, are we going anywhere today? And she's going to say, nope. And that will determine what I'm going to put on this body. If we ain't going anywhere, I'm putting on my fun shorts. I'm putting on my comfy shirt. I'm going to put on what feels good because I know I ain't going nowhere. But if she says, well, I'm going to need you to go to the grocery store later on today. And I need you to pick up this and that and the other and whatever. I now have to dress differently. But I have to ask, listen, the default for me. When the enemy comes after me, is you got to get behind me, Satan, because you are not authorized to control the worry and the thinking of my mind. Only God can do that. We come down here and join me today and let's pray together. Go ahead and sing while. Give them some walking music, if you will, as they come down here.